seated. Well, Easter Day has come and gone, but we're still in the season. We're still in the season of Easter. Uh, We're still reflecting on the great truth that Jesus Christ is alive. And we're asking ourselves the question, what difference does that make for us today? Last week, John focused on the experience of Mary Magdalene, and you'll see this in John's Gospel in these resurrection stories, these post-resurrection encounters with Jesus, that he focuses on one person's experience, and he has a lesson for us in each of those sort of vignettes. And last week it was Mary Magdalene, this week it's, it's Thomas, and I want to focus on Thomas's experience. John ends this story of Thomas's encounter with Jesus with these words that uh, Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But verse 31, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, here it is again, believing you may have life in his name. So it's very clear John's point in telling us this story and really all the stories of Jesus, all the signs, the miracles of Jesus are to elicit belief. Those who do not believe in Jesus, he wants them to put their trust in him. For those who do believe in Jesus already, he wants us to remain committed to him, to continue to believe and to live out this life in Christ. He says, by believing then, you can have life, and there he's talking about eternal life, the life of God. You can have a share in the life of God by believing in Jesus, in his name. And name means person and work. So by believing and trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ, you are connected to the eternal life of God. And that's the point of the entire Gospel of John, but he brings it to a conclusion, to a head, really, with this encounter that Jesus has with um, Thomas. This story raises the question of belief. And uh, we live in an age, in a, in a culture where people will raise this question, how can we believe in someone we've never seen? We live in a, a modern, scientific age. We believe in things that we can see, that we can test, that we can verify. And you're asking us to stake our life on someone who lived 2,000 years ago, to put our hope in someone we've never seen. How is that possible? Well, Thomas, of course, I think would sympathize with that kind of view. Thomas was not with the other disciples when Jesus came that first Easter evening. Uh, John makes it clear, verse 24, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when he came. We're not told why Thomas was not part of the group there. But we can kind of hazard a guess. We can use our imagination. Maybe he wanted to grieve alone. Some people want to process grief by themselves and Thomas's world had been shattered by the death of Jesus Christ. He had followed Jesus for three years. He had seen Jesus do remarkable things and say remarkable things. Jesus said things like, I am the bread of life. Jesus said that he could give uh, waters of living, uh, of, of refreshment, of life. He was the living water. Uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And, uh, and now Jesus, who had said these great things about life, was dead. And Thomas is trying to perhaps process this 
himself. For whatever reason, Thomas is absent. Thomas is away. He's not with the other disciples when they encounter the risen Christ. I wonder if you've ever had that experience. I'm sure you have of being gone when something terrific just happens, something wonderful happens, and everybody else said, you messed it. had that experience just a couple of days ago at my son's game. It's new in the season, in the baseball season, and I think it's only his second or third game, and he got a hit. And um, he's been kind of struggling lately, so I wanted to be there to see this hit, but I was at the concession stand. And when I get back, the, the, the bleachers, you know, the moms and the dads look at me and say, you missed it! It was a great hit! And one of the ladies said, and I did this a couple times last year, and this lady looks at me and says, what is it with you? You're always gone when he does these great things. Uh, maybe I should stay away. Maybe that's the key. But Thomas had messed out on something great, really one of the greatest, most significant events in history, the risen Christ comes to the apostles, and he is not there. And you can almost kind of hear the apostles trying to convince Thomas that it really happened. Thomas, we were there in the room. We were afraid. The doors were locked, and, and Jesus comes in the midst of this room. Thomas, believe me, it wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a hallucination. This was not a vision, a mass hallucination. We saw his hands, and we saw the side. It really was him. And he says... It's not good enough. I'm not going to believe your testimony. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and I place, literally thrust, my fingers into his side, I'm not going to believe. I will never believe. Seeing is not enough. Thomas says at this point, I have to have even more proof, more empirical evidence. I need to touch him to believe. Doubting Thomas, he's called. Skeptical Thomas. And doubt is fashionable in our culture today. Really, I think since the 18th century, doubt has been fashionable. Uh, Question everything, stay skeptical, and faith, on the other hand, is oftentimes seen as gullible, for the gullible, for for the weak. There's a Some atheists who acknowledge that there's a desire for God in the human soul, but they say, you know what, I can't make that leap. Uh, that would be closing my mind off to reality. I heard a song on the internet a couple of days ago. It was a Christian song, um, and it was about how the world does not give us the desires that we really long for. It doesn't answer to the eternal longings of the human heart, pleasure, money, fame, even the love of another human person. The song goes, it's not enough. It's not enough to save my soul. It's not enough to make me whole. And I was looking at the comment sections on this YouTube video, and you can find a lot about our culture by looking at the comment sections on the internet. And one person said, I'm an agnostic, but when I hear that song, I wish I had faith. I wish I could believe. But their understanding of belief seems to be something like, I would have to then take this leap into the dark. I'd have to close my mind off to reality. I wish it could be like the rest of you people, but I'm just not there. But the biblical understanding of faith is, yes, it is a gift from God. God has to do something in our hearts and in our minds by His Holy Spirit so that we can believe. But God has revealed truth that we're called to respond to with our will. Do not be disbelieving, Jesus says to Thomas. But believe. There's evidence. There's reasons uh, to believe. And we talked about that a little bit last week. But doubt is sort of in vogue right now. 
And uh, Bishop Leslie Newbegin, who I like to read sometimes, a um, great theologian, talks about the relationship between doubt and belief in many of his writings. He says, there is such a thing as a lot of times we'll hear today, honest doubt and blind faith, but there's also such a thing as honest faith and blind doubt. People can close their minds off to truth, blind doubt. And he makes this point that everybody has faith in, in something. Even those who doubt, they have faith in something. Take, for example, somebody who doubts the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe, and this is one of the arguments, hey, dead people don't rise from the dead. I've never seen it. This is not a common occurrence. And some people say, therefore, because these sort of miracles don't happen regularly, it didn't happen. Well, that person does have faith. They have faith in their own experience of the world. I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. Therefore, it didn't happen. And that person is putting faith in their own limited experience of reality. And so Nubian says, everybody has faith. The question is, where is your faith? Uh, should, where is your trust? And Jesus here is calling us to put our faith and our trust in and here, Thomas in him, Thomas proposes his test. I must see, I must touch. And then look at how Jesus responds to Thomas's skepticism. I think this is instructive for us for a church, uh, as a church. Tom, Jesus doesn't leave Thomas out, but he comes to him personally. And he says in verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. In other words, as Thomas heard this, he knew that the Lord Jesus had heard his test. He knew that Jesus was omniscient, that Jesus was all-knowing. He knew that Jesus Christ really was raised from the dead, and that means that Jesus is, is more than just a, a teacher, a prophet, a miracle worker. He really is the Son of God. And then Thomas, this... Great skeptic makes the greatest statement. He makes the greatest statement in this gospel about who Jesus is. He says, my Lord and my God. Jesus is fully divine. He's fully human, but he's also fully divine. And Jesus accepts that acclamation. Jesus doesn't say, whoa, 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 you've gone too far here. He receives that word of acclamation and praise. Don't ever let anybody say that there's not in the New Testament and this idea that Jesus is God, that Jesus is fully God. It's right here, crystal clear. My Lord and my God. I think this is a lesson for us in terms of how to handle skeptical people, people who come to the church with doubts. Again, Jesus meets Thomas where he's at. He's patient with Thomas. He knows our weakness. And the church should be a place, a safe place for people to come with their doubts and with their questions. And as believers, we can be honest uh, sometimes about our doubts and our questions as well. You know, you remember when the, the, the boy with his son who, had, uh, who was being oppressed by demons came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, that's an honest prayer. And that's a prayer I think all of us have prayed or should pray at times. Our, our faith in Jesus is not sealed off from doubt completely and questions. But Jesus wants our faith in him to grow. And that's why he calls us, just like he did with Thomas. Don't be disbelieving. Don't be in a state of disbelief. But believe. But believe. What about us? Should we demand, like Thomas, some sort of test?
some sort of visible proof in order to believe in Jesus or to continue believing in Jesus. I shared this with you a, a couple of years ago, I think it, uh, it was, but there was a young budding theologian I read about who was going through a crisis of faith. And he actually had written some books in theology and he was kind of on track to, to, to publish more, but he hit this crossroads and he was in this crisis of faith and he said he prayed all night in his apartment, Lord God, give me a sign. I want to believe, but I need a visible sign. I need proof. I need evidence. Nothing happened. And so the next morning, he gave up on his faith. He took his theology books and he burned them and he walked away from the church. Is that a legitimate response? Should we, like Thomas, put Jesus to the test? Well, listen to what Jesus says here. Blessed are those, he says, Thomas, you've, you've believed because you've seen me. But blessed are those who've not seen and yet believed. And that includes us. That the blessing comes not by just seeing Jesus visibly. And it doesn't depend on seeing Jesus visibly. It depends on trusting the witness of the apostles who saw him. We do believe in the truth. But it's the truth that the apostles encountered in the risen Christ that we believe in. It's based on the true testimony of the apostles. These apostles were in a, a completely unique situation. They were laying the foundation for the growth of the church. And they encountered the risen Christ and then Christ ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day our faith will become sight. But in the meantime, we are called to trust this apostolic testimony. This is how the church spread through this first generation of apostles who encountered the risen Christ and gave their life, this is key, for their testimony. They had the opportunity to renege. They had the opportunity as they were being tortured to say, well, we made the whole thing up. But they didn't. They remained faithful to their Lord and their God, Jesus Christ. And we see in the history of the church that Thomas actually became a great witness for the gospel of Jesus uh, I, before I came down here, I, I pulled off my shelf Eusebius's History of the Church, the earliest history of the church. talks about what Thomas did. I'll just give you a little summary here. Uh, he preached the gospel to the Parthenians, which is uh, a group that uh, is uh, rooted in, in Iran, what is now Iran. So he preached in that area. And then according, uh, that's according to a tradition preserved by the Syrians. And then he took Christianity to India. And many people in India traced their roots back to the Gospel of Thomas, or I mean, to Thomas and, and his great witness for the Gospel. And so the apostolic testimony is sufficient to believe, to believe these past witnesses. We believe in history because of witnesses. We read history and we trust the reliable sources. Court cases are determined, oftentimes, based on the testimony of reliable witnesses. This is a valid way of coming to know the truth. But there's also the experience that we have of the present blessings of Jesus Christ. Not only are we believing in past witnesses, but as we do so, we gain life in Jesus' name. And we gain these present blessings. And we read about those in our, in our, in our reading from uh, John in his epistle. Some of the blessings of the life in Christ that John says that we can have as we believe in the testimony. He says, that which we have seen and heard and we proclaim uh, to you so that you may have koinonia. You may have fellowship with us. That's one of the blessings of the life of Christ is that we're connected in fellowship 
with other believers in the past and in the present. And then he goes on and he talks about the forgiveness of our sins. The blood of Christ cleanses us from our sins. As we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's one of the blessings of the life of Christ that we experience here and now. And and then in the Gospel reading, we saw that when the risen Christ came into that room where the disciples were gathered, He brought peace and joy. He said to them, Peace be with you. And then they were glad. And they were filled with joy. And that's what God does in our life even now. That's one of the present blessings of Jesus Christ and the life of Christ is to know His peace and to know His joy. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit just as the apostles received the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to Jesus Christ. Those of us who responded in faith have received the Spirit to live this life and to be witnesses to Him. And so this morning, the the point is very simple. For those of us who believe in a culture that makes belief kind of hard and is skeptical towards belief, listen to the words of Christ. Do not be disbelieving, but believe. Keep believing. Keep believing the testimony. There's really no need for visible proof or a vision of Christ. No need to test Christ. The witness is there. The testimony is clear. And this morning, give thanks to God that He's preserved this testimony so that we can know the risen Christ and His life for ourselves. Let's pray. We do give you thanks, Lord God, that You have preserved the testimony of the apostles in the pages of Holy Scriptures and throughout the generation, generation after generation, has heard this good news that Christ is risen that Christ died for our sins, that He has ascended to heaven. He's seated in a place of authority and power, and He will come again, and then our faith will become sight, and You'll put the world uh, to rights. We thank You for the hope. We thank You for the truth. We pray, God, that You would help our faith increase. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. May stand.